Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. It is going to be fun. It's football Sunday next week. Hey, I'm actually going to kind of set the tone this week. We're going to talk a little bit about how football is like life in a lot of ways. Next week, we got the indoor tailgate, my favorite, chili and uh, hot dogs. Yeah, but we got, we're going to have fun, and uh, it's going to be some driving music. I'll tell you what, here's, my, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you invite one person to come with you? It is a week that's kind of low bar, and yet it's, not, it's low bar on the invitation side, but we're going to have a message for them that we think really impacts their life. Joel Penton, who was part of OSU football program for a number of years, won some championships, will be here to share his story about football, but also, more importantly, about how God used that in his life and uh, his relationship with Jesus and what he's doing now, how God is using him and uh, in a great way and uh, and how he can use each of us so don't miss it man it is it is a it's gonna be a Sunday it's really gonna be a lot of fun well I did uh, I did say I'm gonna kind of kick football Sunday off with football today and because uh, uh, there's just something that, that, that that's been on my heart you know a lot of people they're trying to figure out how this spiritual life works how do you get from here to here and I think football has a lot to say about that football uh, yeah, there's a lot of excitement and energy in football. Both of my sons played. I had uh, Nathan uh, was a defensive end, tight end. He's a younger son, and uh, he played for Piqua uh, for four years on the defensive side of the ball and offense. Uh, Daniel was a football or a quarterback for the football team. He played his varsity year. He got to be the, the starting quarterback, and uh, it was kind of fun. Nathan went on to also play at Kent State, so we got to hear about the, the college side of football. And it was just fascinating. Like there's just so much energy and so much goes in. And uh, you know that um, when we would go to the Pickle football games, man, it was, it was pretty raucous. And then, you know, you got the whole other level. We got OSU in Michigan, right? And I, I know there are a lot of OSU fans here. And I think we have a Michigan fan. Where are you at? I, I know I saw. Yeah, okay. Actually, we had two in first service. Like it's growing. <laughs> it's a real concern. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> And then there's the Bengals, who day? Come on, who day? And then there's, yeah, yeah, well, next year. And then there's, then there's the Steelers, who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I think we have a few Steelers fans here. Like, there's just a lot of energy in football, and it just sort of, kind of brings out the emotions in people. Have you noticed that? We'd go to the football games. We sat in the same section all the time. We just, we had our place, you know, and uh, there was this guy behind us named Jody Robinson. They called him Yoder, and uh, he had a chant that he would start whenever the, when the, whenever the team made a first down. He would be like, he would be one, two, three, and the whole place would yell, first down. Let's try that. Ready? One, two, three, first down, right? And like, like I always wonder why, why is that so important? Hey, I, I had some, a couple people are going to come help me. So if you're, wherever you're at, would you come? I mean, my chain gang, where are they at? I, I want you to know these guys are official. These, are, these guys are chain gang, first down kind of people for the Pickle football team. And, uh, you know, let, let's, let's, uh, let's get, get these things in action. Kevin, you've been doing chains for a little while with Piqua. Is this, this looks like a safe job, is it? It could be hazardous at times. If you look, Andy, they're, they're bent a little bit. 
that's because things happen. Yeah, things happen, like 300-pound things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you watch that all the time. So it's not as safe as it looks. Like, is this a stressful job? No, this is not stressful. Not, that's not stressful. That's not stressful. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so if you're an umpire, it's stressful. Here's how this whole thing works. Okay, so what happens is the ball starts somewhere, and they pin it down, and then they stretch the chain. We can't stretch the chain because we'll run out of stage pretty close. But So you stretch the chain 10 yards, and this is where the ball starts, and you have four tries to get to where this other pin is. It's very visual. So when you're on the football field, you don't have to go 70, 80, 90 yards. You only have to go 10 yards, and then you get four more tries. Would you give these guys, thank them, because we need these guys. Yeah. And I always wondered why Jody Robinson, Yoder, made such a big deal out of the first downs. And then I began to talk to my boys. You know, they're playing football. And uh, when Daniel played, we were playing uh, as quarterback. We were playing some teams that were really kind of above our pay grade. Like, they were bigger schools. Um, we probably were playing above where we could play at times. And, and so, you know, the challenge, how are you going to get 90 yards and score a touchdown? How are you going to get down the field? Because we're playing some defenses that are probably like, like they're really strong. And then, and then when Nathan played, um, same thing in college, uh, he, was, he was playing for Kent State, and they would play Power 5 schools, people like Texas A&M and Clemson and Louisville and Wisconsin and Iowa. And, like, these are in the top 10, some of these teams. And Kent State is going to try to move the ball against these kind of teams. That can be daunting to, to, to come up against a defense that's that strong and think, I gotta go 90 yards. I, I gotta go 80 yards, whatever it, it is. Except I, I finally understood why Jody Robinson, why Yoder focused on the first down. Because the reality is you don't have to go 70 or 80 or 90 yards with the next play. You only have to get 10 and four. You only have to go 10 yards. And if in that first play, if in that first play you can get five or six yards, like all the options open up in football. Now you can do a play action. Maybe you can run. You can pass. Maybe you can do a sideline and uh, go all the way down. Like you've got a lot of options, but you get four tries to get to the first down. And when you get to the first down, if you make a first down, guess what? You get four more. And I understood why that was the encouragement. Because it's hard in life, just as in football, to get 90-yard play. But 10 yards and four tries, that's, that's doable. And then another four, another 10 yards. And Paul tells us that's exactly what the spiritual life is like. It's like football in a sense. I think that's what he's telling the church in Philippi. It's what God wants to tell you today. He wants to speak to you personally and individually through the power of the Spirit. He wants to speak to your heart. And, and there's something he wants you to know. And that's, we're going to take a look. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is ahead and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, and that's the goal, to be in Jesus. Because it says that, that the, the relationship with Jesus Christ is the goal. That's the goal. And, and, it, and we can win a prize. It says we can win a prize. We're going to do that next week. <laughs> At Football Sunday, you can win a prize. There's a much better prize. And the prize is a relationship with God. Because he says this in Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 7 and 8, he says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want that to soak in. In him. Not having a righteousness of my own. Not, a, not being right with God because of what I've done, who I am, what, what I've been able to pull off, maybe a performance. No, no, no. Uh, or, or maybe because I've followed the law in some way. No, that, the, the only thing I can claim is, is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of, on the basis of my faith in Him. See, the prize is to be in Christ forever. What does that mean? It means to have a relationship with a perfect Father who loves you, who fills in all the holes that you have in your life. To be in the arms of a Father, to be in the safety and the security of a Father who will never leave you nor forsake you, who will give you all the good that He created in, for you to have. Th that's what it means. That, that's what it means to be in Christ forever. That's the goal. When, when uh, my son was younger, he sent a, a, a note to Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy is a winning Super Bowl coach. Uh, he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when, when he won this one. And, uh, you know, T Tony Dungy is one of those guys that you can look up to. Like, he is a follower of Jesus. And he's been through some struggles in his life. And yet, he, he, he won the trophy and Daniel was congratulating him and sent him the note about, you know, how he looked up to him. And I don't know, if he's, I don't know when he sent it. I don't know how many years ago that's been. But, but Tony Dungy sent this back. He signed it, of course, a picture of him with the trophy. But he says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Here's someone who won on the highest stage, at least in this earth, in this life, who, who won whatever he's seeking, <laughs> that coveted trophy. And yet he said, if I gain that, but lose my soul, what do I have? What's your goal in this life? What is your goal? Is it to gain the most toys? Is it to amass a great amount of wealth? Is it to build relationships with a certain person or, or to accomplish something? Those are good things. Th those aren't things that that are bad, but are they your highest goal? See, to be in Christ, to have a relationship with Him, to put Him first in your life, and to become like Him, to be in Christ means that you have said yes to Him, and then, and then it means to begin to follow Him and to begin to look more and more like Him. And that's a journey. See, Jesus died on the cross 
And, and when he died on the cross, he paid the price that you and I could never pay for our own sin. And so if you're here today, and you say, I want to get started on this journey, well, it first starts with saying yes to Jesus and what he did on the cross to allow him to take the sin for you, the punishment that you deserve for your sin. And then after he died, he was in the grave for three days, but then he rose from the dead. And if he can raise himself, he can raise you and me. <laughs> That's who you all put your trust in. Not in the things of this life. What are your goals in this life? Have you gotten sidetracked by the things that you can see, the shiny objects in front of you? Or are you focusing on the greatest goal, that is to be in Jesus? Now here's the thing. I think it can be very difficult to figure out where am I at in this spiritual journey? Have you ever tried to figure that out? Like you start here with a relationship with Jesus. That's where it all starts. I'm just telling you. You're, until, you until you have the power of Jesus in you, you can't do the things that he wants you to do. You can't become like him. But you start this journey, but you're like, where am I at on this thing? Like how far have I come? How much do I look like him? Have, have, what's the deal? How do I measure myself? And sometimes you can get really caught up in all of that. How do we know if we've submitted? What do we look like? Well, look what Paul says um, to the Philippian church. This is in verse 13. He says this. He says, brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to people who are following Jesus because if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you haven't allowed him to control your life and to come in and to remove your sin and to give you the power to say yes to him, then you're not on the journey with him. You don't have the power to do any of the rest of the stuff I'm talking about today. Brothers and sisters, he says, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. <laughs> I haven't arrived. I can't spike the football. Last football um, Sunday, I had, we had Craig Krenzel here, Ohio State quarterback, you know, led him to the championship. And during the interview with him, I spiked the football. He told me afterward, he kind of called me out. So that's for rookies. Act like you've been there. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Paul doesn't spike the football. As a follower of Christ, do sometimes you think you've arrived? Maybe, ooh, that was pretty good. No, he says, this is Paul who wrote a third of the New Testament, ends up writing about a third of the New Testament. He, he's, he's the church planner extraordinaire. Like, like he's, God uses him in a fantastic way to bring hundreds and then thousands and from him even millions to, to know Jesus. He says, I've, I'm not, I'm not the spiritual giant. I don't know where I'm at. In fact, Paul even goes so far as to say, I don't even judge myself. I, I'm not exactly sure where I'm at. It doesn't mean he's not following Jesus. He, he knows he's secure. But sometimes we say, like, like where are we at in this whole journey? We, we can't figure it out. But look what he says. I, I think it's fascinating. Verse 13, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. See, progress toward the goal we're aiming at can seem hard to measure. Like, when you're 90 yards away, it can seem like a long way. How do you even get there? And for the spiritual journey, I'm supposed to look like Jesus. What does that mean? Where am I at? How... But I'll tell you what, we may not be able to totally understand and judge yourself in that way, but I want you to know God will give us steps along the way, and those goals are, are much easier to grasp. You see, the spiritual journey is a lot of first downs. One, two, three, first down. 
That's what the spiritual journey is all about. When I was a, back in 1985, just a young whippersnapper, I decided I was going to join the military and uh, went into the National Guard. And I remember that somewhere along that way, I started out, I wasn't a soldier. But I wanted to become a soldier, and I was earning money for college, too. It was all tied in together. My, my dad had been in. We had a, a history of that. And so I, I remember it started off easy enough. Um, you know, I took the airplane flight out, and I went to the reception station, picked up some trash. Things were off to a great start. And then they brought the cattle truck up. <laughs> and you get on the cattle truck, and then your world falls apart. They take you, and they take you to a new place, and then you get out, and the yelling and screaming starts. And there's this, uh-oh, we've arrived, and uh, we haven't arrived. And uh, it's just, I tell you, there was, a, there was a, this big, huge sergeant. He looked like Smokey the Bear. And I remember him coming past, and he was trying to be intimidating, and he took his shoulder and knocked me, and just about knocked me down. This guy was huge. There was some intimidation going on. And the people that thought they were something, well, all of us <laughs> weren't. And they tore us down. We don't like to hear about that. We don't like being torn down. We think that's a bad thing, but it, eh, maybe it's not so bad. You see, we began to realize we couldn't do anything right <laughs> those first few weeks. All we could do were wrong things, and there was a lots of push-ups. And, and they brought us to the place where we were a clean slate. And then after we were this clean slate, they began to teach us how to march. They began to do PT and just constant. We were constantly working out and getting stronger. And then we went to the rifle range and learned to shoot. And, and we went to marching training and, and close order combat where you drills with the bayonet, all that kind of stuff. And then we went to the gas chamber, wore our mask and learned how to do some gas warfare and all that. After I I'd learned all those kind of things, you went to your specialty. I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. I was a combat engineer, and uh, I remember 30 Below, one of the bivouacs we had. We learned how to camp. <laughs> so if you want to learn how to camp, cheap, they'll pay for it. Just saying, just a great idea. And I, and I learned in combat engineer, I learned how to blow stuff up. So I got to play with C4 and dynamite, and I learned how to build bridges like in a few hours so that the rest of the military could keep on rolling. And you know what was fascinating? I started out, I wasn't a soldier. At the end, I knew I was a soldier. I don't know when it happened. I'm not exactly sure when the transformation took place. I couldn't pick a spot. But I could pick some highlights I could pick some moments. You see, during the training, there were times where you had to say yes to something you didn't want to do. You had to say yes to taking the next step that might have been fearful or scary or going to take you to your last measure of who you were. And there were some people that didn't want to do that. You know what they did? They did what they called the duffel bag drag. That's where you had this big duffel bag and they would, you're taking it to the bus to go home. And nobody wanted to do the duffel bag drag. Who wants to fail? You see, it was a series of yeses all the way along, and somewhere along the way I became a soldier. For you, in your spiritual journey, sometimes we can get so caught up on the touchdown. We can get so caught up on the, the finish line that we think we've got to make the leap from here to here. 
But God just wants you to say yes right where you're at. He wants you to realize the spiritual journey is about first downs. And that's what Paul's saying. I don't even know where I'm at. Now, but I know where I'm going. You got to know where you're going. So many young people come and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like if I make a decision and it's the wrong one, I'll be messed up for life. Don't get paralyzed like that. That's the enemy. See, the reality is if you'll just take the next step God has put out in front of you, then some other things will open up later that you will make it clear for you. If it's God's plan for you, just take the step you know to take and don't try to figure out the whole thing. You don't have to unroll the whole map because guess what? God doesn't give that to you. He doesn't give that to me. We know what the goal is. We know what the prize is. That's to be in Him for all eternity. And there, heaven is the place where we'll experience some of that. We get to experience it starting right now. But what do we do in the meantime? Well, Paul gives us, Paul gives us some clues. Do what you already know. Do what you already know. One of the first downs in your life is to do what you already know. In fact, he says it this way. He says, let us live up to what we have already attained. See, some of us have started this journey, and we started off well, but then we fell off. We said, well, you know, I got busy. Or you're starting the journey, you said yes to Jesus, but you're like looking for the, and you're like, ooh, that's too hard. Read God's word every day? That, I don't know. Um, forgive that person that was pretty painful God you want me to give my finances for your work you want me to tithe to put you first God that's going to take too much and so we start this journey but we say no to the things that God has already revealed to us as a next step and Paul says only live up to what you've already attained you see sometimes we think that there's going to be some silver bullet you know, right? you know like, like there's going to be something grand, and that's going to take us from here to here. But the spiritual journey, I've not seen silver bullets, and I'm not, I'm not seen express lanes. Like it's step after step, first down after first down. What is the thing that God has shown you? What is the thing that you need to say yes to that you've said no so far? See, we don't need new knowledge sometimes. We just need to do something with what he's already revealed to us. In fact, in James, he says this, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. The truth is, until you put into practice the things you do know, don't expect the God to teach you new things. And sometimes we're looking, again, for the silver bullet or this great moment, and it's right in front of us all the time. Naaman is, uh, is the king of Syria. No, he's king of Syria. He's the chief commander of, in, in the Syrian army, the army of Aram, and uh, powerful in those days. And uh, so, like, he's got leprosy. And nobody from the land can heal him. Doesn't matter how much power you have if your health is gone. And so he's got this servant girl who's from the land of Israel, and he says, she's bold enough to say to him, hey, there's a prophet in Israel who can help you. And, and Naaman's like, he's in the moment of desperation. There's no way king of, or the commander of Aram is going to go to Israel, but they, he does. And he goes to there, and he comes to the house of Elisha, and he asks for him to come out, and Elisha doesn't come out. He just says, go wash in the Jordans seven times. 
Naaman is beside himself. Like, don't you know who I am? I've arrived. What's the deal? You won't even come out and talk to me? And now you want me to go wash myself in this dirty river? Like, the Jordan, it, it's not like a beautiful... He says, I got better rivers back home. I'll just go back home. And he's about to put his nose up and head back when some people in his, his inner circle talk some sense into him. And so he goes down to the river, washes seven times, and he's healed. Sometimes we just need to live up to what, what we've already been shown. God's saying, I, I'll heal you. But it, the healing's going to come when you ask forgiveness. Because that toxin in your heart is that unforgiveness. You need to let go of of the finances in your life. And the way you're going to do that is going to put me first. You're going to tithe. By the way, I don't talk about money just because the church needs money. I talk about because it's a gateway to your heart. That's why I talk about it. And some of you have never taken a step of trusting God with your finances. You've never been generous. And it's holding you back. And God's revealed that, but you've said, no, that's just too much. Maybe God's called you to serve and it's going to take an act of courage to begin to serve. And you've said no. You've never stepped forward. One of the things I've shared with you in the past is the book called The Power of Habit. I love it. The Power of Habit is about putting practices in our life because you don't rise to the level of your goals. No, you drop to the level of your habits. And, and there are these things called keystone habits. Keystone habit is simply one habit that like, leads to all the others. There are certain habits in our life that just kind of create the big mo, you know what I mean? The big momentum. And for instance, example, if you, if you start working out, maybe you exercise, w studies show that if you begin that, often you'll eat better, you'll begin to skip more sleep. I mean, it, it, becomes a, it becomes a momentum builder for all the other habits in your life. And sometimes we think we gotta do all these things at once. If you'll just say yes to the next thing God's revealed to you, then these It'll create a momentum in your life. Spiritually, it's the same way. Hey, if you ever watched a football game, man, like I said, if you can get five or six yards toward that 10 in that first play, boy, that opens up the playbook. And then you get another couple yards, and then, and then first down. And then you get another one, and you're, you're there, and, and then you get another first down. All of a sudden, the team is moving. The chains are moving, as they say, and there's a momentum, and you can feel it and it propels you. I, there's a big mo in spiritual life too, that when you get going, when you keep your hand on the flywheel of obedience to God, once you get it started, it's hard to stop. Maybe you need to put your hand on the flywheel, get those practices in your life, say yes to Him, and attain what He's already shown you before you go looking for more. Another step I think Paul says to take is to find somebody to watch. He says, go find somebody with skin on. <laughs> Verse 17, he says, there it is. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Follow me as I'll follow Christ. That's what he's saying. And just as you have seen, uh, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Be careful who you make your example. When, when, I, when we were first married, Paul and I, we were here with the Valley Church. It was Upper Valley Community Church in those days, and Paul Jetter was the lead pastor, and I was his young Timothy. I'm just, 
And I'll just tell you, Paul and I were newly married, and Paul and Mary had a, had a great marriage. And, and, and we just watched. It was kind of freaky <laughs> for them. <laughs> we, we were watching everything they did, how they treated each other, how, how they put hedges around their marriage, even when the other was, I mean, like we, observed, we watched because we wanted to learn how to do marriage. You say, well, just go to the Bible. You know what the Bible does? It points you back to people with skin on. That's what Paul's saying. He's, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. See, I don't know why God did it that way, but that's how he did it. He made us to need other people. He made us, he says, brothers and sisters. Like, we're to put people around us and we're to, we're to watch them. Who in your life are you doing life with that you can watch? See, we, we, we could spend a lot of time on our devices. We can watch a lot of people. And believe it or not, even though it's entertainment, it can pull us away. It can, it can change how we view things and how we see things. You better have some people with skin on that you're watching who are following Jesus, who, who are trying to live it out. Not perfectly, but they're trying. Like, like they really do want to get it right. And, and we modeled our marriage after what we saw in Paul and Mary Jetter. You want a great marriage, you've got to find somebody with skin on that's got a great marriage and hang out with them, be around them. If you want to have courage in your life, find somebody with courage. That's what I do in my peer group. I got guys that got courage there because when they got courage, I've got courage. I don't know what it is, but it's just weird like that, but that's how it works. Find somebody to watch because more is caught than taught. And then you've got to change your thinking. Like this is one of the biggest first downs in your life that can give you momentum than anything. Because look what he says in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, back to that, like, your closest confidants, where are you going to get the true stuff of life isn't from the world. It's going to be from other people who are following Jesus Christ with all their heart. Hang out with them, is what he's saying. And it doesn't mean that you don't hang out with unbelievers, that people that aren't following God, because how do we build relationships and help them come to know Jesus? But your inner circle... Brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. That's a whole long list. <laughs> In the day, there were a lot of philosophers, and what Paul's doing is answering them. They would say, you've got to think on it. He's saying, yeah. He's tying it in to what they heard in that common everyday language. He says that anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The truth is this, what you allow to occupy your mind will sooner or later determine what you say and do. It, it just will. Paul says, I, I know this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you aren't going to do it on your own you can't change your stinking thinking on your own only God can do that but he won't do it without you and so you're going to have to say yes to him you're going to have to come to the place where you say you know what I know my thinking isn't right I, I, I know that I've seen things in a worldly point of view God, would you reveal that to me and then would you help change how I think so that I can 
I can change how I react to the world. Because if you think you're cheated all the time, if you think things are bad, that's how you're going to react to the world. If you think you're smarter than those who have authority over you, you're probably going to denigrate them over and over and over. But if you see the best in people, that they are God's creation, if you, if you believe that God is good, no matter what happens in your life, you, you know it's going to work out for good. It changes how you approach life. So you say, Pastor Andy, it all sounds good. How do, how do I put this into practice? Like, like what, what, do I, what do I do to get this whole thing rolling? I think it's as simple as this. Say yes to the next thing God is showing you. In fact, I would say this. If you just keep saying yes to God, yes to the next thing he wants to do in your life, it'll be one, two, three, first down. One, two, three, first down. And then someday it's going to be touchdown. See, see, that's how the spiritual life works, but it doesn't, it, it's never going to get started until you say yes to Jesus and begin to say yes to the thing he's showing you. So my challenge for you right now is what is the yes that God has for you? Like, I don't want you to leave today without the yes. What is the yes? Maybe you need to spend a little time after service and just ask God, what, what is the yes that you want for my life? What is the thing that you want me to do? What is the thing that you're calling me to do? And you say, wow, that, it's so big to get there. I'm just started here. When I was in high school, actually it was junior high, I, want, I was in track and I wanted, to, I wanted to be a high jumper. It just looked like fun. And uh, so I did the things like pole vault and high jump because anything that just wasn't running seemed like more fun. I'd have been a good ninja warrior, I think. They had the bar about so high, they were doing a jump off to see if you could be on the, you know, in that, in one of the top three, so you could actually play at the meets, you know, run at the meets. And, and I just, it was mental, man. I went up there and I, I just couldn't do it. And so I went home that night and my dad had wood chip piles. When the, when the people would come to, to, to get the trees off the lines and, and chip the, the branches, like he would have them dump wood chips so we could put them on the, we could move them later and put them on the, on the, uh, raspberry patch and so we had these big pile of wood chips in various stages of decay and so we went out there my, me and my twin brother and we we got these sticks from the woods huckleberry finn and put the put the standard over the top of that deal and we started about oh yay high boy it felt good like we were sailing over that bad boy we got it and we just kept raising it up pretty soon we're up here we're like how, how'd we get that high like i think that's higher than we're jumping at school Went the next day and asked we have another jump off. We, we destroyed the competition. Thank you. <laughs> Felt good. I couldn't even, like I, I couldn't even, that bar had me. And some of you have said, I can never get there. I can't look like Jesus. I can't even make it through today. Some of you are like, I, I can't do what God wants me to do. I know, I, like, like that's too big. And God just says, come to me and say yes to a relationship with me. Trust in me. That's your first yes. Without that yes, none of the others happen. And then say yes to the next thing God shows. And sooner or later, you'll be like, how'd the bar get that high? I'm still jumping over that bad boy. Because God will build you and you'll become a follower of Christ and you won't even know, you won't even totally know 
how you became more like him. You'll just know you're a soldier in the army of God, and he's transformed you somewhere along the way. And do the small things well. Quit aiming for the silver bullet. Quit going for the long pass. I mean, okay, every now and then take a shot. But don't live and die there because you'll basically die, die there. That's how teams lose. See, here's the deal. Small choices now can lead to highlight real moments later. When, when you ever watch football games and they got this guy doing this one-handed catch going out of bounds, gets both feet and drags it out, and you're like, how'd he do that? And then they do the interview and you find out that's what he does every day for two hours. He practices that. He, he's, he's practicing for that catch. But he's doing it in his own time. Like, that's not on the camera. That's not... I, I love King David. He's a man after God's heart, right? And he leads the Israelites to victory. But it wasn't always that way. See, David started out in the back room, in the back office. Well, way further than that. He's in the back country. He's a shepherd. They're considered the least of the least, inferior. He's out with the animals. He's dirty. Uh, they're considered the marginals. And uh, so, so that's where he fits in the grand scheme of things. But his job, his responsibility is to take care of those sheep. And so he does a great job. In fact, he says, when the bear and the lion came, I struck them down. They tried to care off the sheep, and I protected the sheep. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows. But he just does the thing he's supposed to do, right where he's at. And then guess what? Later on, later on, he sees the Philistine army camped against God's people, the Israelites. And there's a valley in between, and the Philistines are over there, and they're the dominant force. And they're making fun of God's people because they won't, like they have no courage. And there's Goliath, this huge, huge warrior taunting all the Israelites. That's more than David can handle. And David goes up and challenges him. He says, hey, if God used me to take care of the sheep and help me defend against a bear and a lion, certainly God will help me against this uncircumcised Philistine. I'm just telling you, David doesn't stand up against Goliath and defeat him and then the whole Philistine army if he first doesn't say yes to God as a shepherd. What is the thing God's calling you to do right where you're at? It might not seem to have this huge impact in the world, but God wants you to be faithful right where you are at. I want to challenge you today. The game of life Becoming like Jesus is, is a series of first downs. Yes is to him. One, two, three, first down. And then another first down. And another first down. And then sometime there is touch down. There are some things you can do to take some first, first steps, some first yeses to God. Maybe these are some first downs for you. There are lots of them, by the way. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to individually speak to each of you, but there's a yes for every one of us. You see, every one of us has a first down today to aim at. Every one of us has a yes, a next yes that God has for us. And I, I can't speak to you about what that is, but I know that God is speaking to you through the power of His Spirit. For some of you, maybe it's a journey study. You killed two birds with one stone. I'm going to discover what God's Word is. 
Maybe that's your first yes, is discover who God is and what he expects for you. And by the way, you're going to do it with somebody, so now you get to see somebody with skin on. Like, okay, that might be a good yes for you. Maybe it's tithing. Maybe it is simply saying, God, I'm going to put you first, and money has held me back. Like, I, like that's become my God, and in the end, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the first, and I'm going to trust that the rest will work, that you are good like that. Maybe it's serving. Maybe God has called you to have courage to do something in the church or in the community, and you've like been sitting on it. Maybe it's time to say yes to what God wants to do, even if it seems small. By the way, there's this thing called freeshapetest.com. It's a, it's a place you can discover your spiritual gift and how you're shaped. Because when you know how you're shaped, you know where you fit into the puzzle of God's plan. So you say, I don't really know. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where I fit. I don't know how I can have a purpose in this life. I don't know what I... Take some steps. Maybe your yes is to to do the freeshapetest.com. Put the pastor's email in there and come talk to us about it and we we can help steer you. Because I'll just tell you, people who begin to move and begin to serve, I believe it's one of the greatest spiritual steps you can take. So if you're not serving, you're missing out because here's the deal. As you begin to serve, the Holy Spirit's going to fill you and empower you and teach you and guide you, and you're going to experience things you wouldn't experience any other way, including a Bible study. See, it's, they all work together. One not better than the other. But if you leave that out, that might be the yes that's been missing in your life. Maybe it's forgiveness. You've been hanging on to a grudge, and you let, you're letting somebody live rent-free in your head. You're, you're trying to hurt the other person. What you're really doing is swallowing the cyanide pill yourself. And it's destroyed you. It's broken you. Maybe the next yes is to forgive them, even though you don't know how, to release them, just like God released you. And maybe, just maybe, you have to say yes to yourself in the sense that you have to forgive yourself. You, you know you've messed up. You hurt other people. You hurt yourself. You don't respect who you are because of what you've done, who you've become. Maybe it's time to say yes to God, but also to allow God to forgive you and not hold yourself higher than God, in a sense, because if he's forgiven you, who are you not to forgive you? There's a lot of first downs. I've given you some. What I hope you won't do today is walk out without taking that first step toward a first down which is the first step toward becoming like Jesus and being in Christ and experiencing all the good that God has and being with the perfect Father for all eternity starting right now. That's what he wants for you. Let's pray. Father, I just lift up each of us today. You know where we're at. You you know what the next yes is that you have in mind for us. And Father, sometimes we think it's not grand enough or big enough. Sometimes we think it's too high, it's too big. And yet you never call us to do something you don't provide for, that you don't make a way. And so, Father, would you help us to take that step? Would you help us to trust you? And as we, as we, as we look at the, the prize, which is a relationship with you for all eternity, we, we don't understand what's going to happen in the middle, but we just know if we take those steps, you'll, you'll transform us, and we won't even understand it, but somewhere along the way we'll become like you. We'll discover our purpose will have joy. Our life will count. Lord, we just pray that. We pray, Father, you'll give us the courage and the wisdom and that you would 
speak to our hearts that we would know exactly what you're calling us to do, that next yes. Father, we just ask all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Before we go, one, two, three, first down. We got a remedial. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives, change lives.